So today is our next to last week in this Improve Your Life series that we've been in uh, for the entire year. Uh, Actually, full disclosure, I am considering the possibility of extending it one extra week. So in case I make that decision and I come back here uh, next week and say, hey, it's the next to last week, I don't want to be accused of lying. So full disclosure, it might be next week, it might be the week after, Uh, we'll see. Uh, But today, the encouragement from the Bible is that if you want to improve your life, you need to keep your commitments. And and I'm sure that as that, you know, those words are spoken, you are tempted to think something like this. What would really improve my life is if other people would keep their commitments to me. And uh, I want you to know I'm very sympathetic to that viewpoint. Uh, I agree with you. I I think that would improve my life a lot if other people would keep their commitments uh, to me. uh, It's a fair sentiment. But how many of you have noticed that we really don't have any ability to make other people do what they ought to do? Have you noticed that? Yeah, that's that's one of the uh, truths of life that pretty much everybody figures out. We, We can't make other people do what they ought to do. And so if we want to improve our lives, we have to focus on the things that are within our own power to do. And while we cannot force anybody else to keep their commitments, it is within our power to be people who keep our commitments. And if we do that, our lives are going to improve. Now, I hope that none of you will tune me out today by thinking that you've got it all together in terms of keeping your commitments. Because I'm convinced that most of us, even though our intentions are really good, and sometimes even though we're giving a pretty decent effort at trying to keep our commitments, I think that most of us have some room for improvement when it comes to keeping our word and keeping our commitments. So I hope that you won't just assume that this message is for your neighbor, uh, but that you will be open to God doing something in you personally uh, throughout the morning. The first thing that I think we need to establish on this topic is that God cares about his people keeping their word. God cares about his people keeping their commitments. Uh, he, He cares whether what we say can be relied upon or whether it can't. And I want us to see this by briefly looking at two sections of Scripture that make this quite clear. The first is in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. If you have your Bible and want to turn there, you're welcome to do that. I also think it should be on the screen behind me. And here's what it says. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and uh, the words that we're reading are the words of Jesus. Here we go. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Don't say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. Don't say by the earth because the earth is his footstool. And don't say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even say by my own head for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond that is from the evil one. So clearly, one of the things that Jesus is doing here is affirming the importance of keeping your word. This uh, section that we read is contained within the Sermon on the Mount, and, uh, and Jesus is clearly affirming the importance of keeping your word. Now, 
I think this is an interesting passage that can be a little bit challenging to understand. And so I'm thankful to uh, William Barclay for offering us some help this week. Jesus here speaks against making oaths. And at the time that he said this, there were two things that people were doing that were displeasing to God. The first is that people were doing a lot of frivolous swearing, where, where oaths were meant for solemn pledges, people were making oaths over frivolous things. So, you know, this wouldn't have been one of them they made, but, but an example for us would be something like, I promise in the name of God that I'm going to eat a salad today instead of a burger. You know, it's just like taking oaths over, over frivolous things, things that, you know, didn't matter all that much. And then another thing that was happening that was displeasing to God and more specifically applicable to our topic today is that a system of evasive oath-taking had developed. And what was happening is if that someone took an oath in the name of God, then the oath was considered binding on them and they felt an obligation to keep their word. But if someone swore by heaven or they swore by earth or by Jerusalem or by their own head, then the person felt as though the oath was not binding and that they were free to break the oath. And so evasive oath-taking was a way to assert something in a moment to tell someone something that they wanted to hear without feeling any obligation to actually keep your word. The idea was that if God's name was used, then you had included him in the transaction and you had to keep your word. But if you did not invoke God's name, if, if you didn't call God's name into the situation, then you had not included him and you were free to do as you pleased. And so this is what Jesus is responding to and saying, don't take any oaths. Don't swear by heaven because heaven is God's throne. Don't swear by earth because uh, earth is God's footstool. Don't swear by Jerusalem because Jerusalem is the city of the great king. And don't even swear by your own head because you actually don't have any control over it. You can't make one hair black or one hair white. Just don't swear at all. Just say, yes, I will. Or no, I won't. And leave it at that. Anything more complicated than yes or no, Jesus said, is from the evil one. So Jesus was telling them that God cares very much about telling the truth, keeping your word, and he cares about it so much that people do not have the freedom to be bound to their word only when they invoke God's name. He's involved in our, the, the things that we assert, the things that we say. He's involved whether he's mentioned or not. God cannot be compartmentalized. God cannot just be invited into the places where we want him. Our entire lives fall under God's jurisdiction. And as such, we're responsible uh, to him all of the time, not just when we invoke his name. Jesus was also saying that an oath shouldn't be necessary to distinguish when we're telling the truth and when we aren't. Because we're supposed to be truth tellers all the time. For a Christian, there should never be a reason to say, now really, I'm telling you the truth now. <laughs> As opposed to all those other things I said, now I'm actually telling you the truth. That shouldn't happen. 
God cares that we keep our word. Everything that comes out of our mouths is to be truthful. Our yes should really mean yes. And our no should really mean no. It's just that simple. And then Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 25. This passage also lets us know that God cares a great deal about people keeping their word. Here's what it says. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, so Paul is saying, because of all of that I just said, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbors for we are all members of one body. Here's the basic outline of what we just read. The first few verses are a picture of the kind of lives lived by people uh, who don't know Christ. And then the next few verses share who we have been made in Christ and share that we have a responsibility to begin living like the new creations that Christ has made us. We are to put off the old self. We are to put on the new self. We do that. Nobody else does that for us. It does not happen against our will. We have to choose to throw off the old person that we used to be, and we have to choose to put on the new person that Christ has made us. And then the next few verses paint a picture of what it looks like to live consistent with our new creation status. And the very first thing that Paul writes about how we're to live as new creations in Christ is this, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. It's important to grasp what Paul means when he says, put off falsehood. He is not saying, hey, since you are new creations in Christ, stop telling really big lies. Stop telling the whoppers and you'll be good. That's not what he's saying. What he's speaking against here is anything that obscures truth. Anything that obscures the truth is supposed to be rejected. So Ephesians 4, falsehood in Ephesians 4 includes shading the truth. It includes exaggeration. It includes cheating. It includes failure to keep promises. It includes betrayal of confidence. It includes flattery. It includes fudging on income taxes. Remember that a month from now as you're filling out your paperwork. It includes that. God cares about his people keeping their word keeping their commitments. And because God cares about it, we need to care about being people who keep our word. 
We need to care about being people who keep our commitments. You know, there are actually quite a few benefits that we get by keeping our word. I I think that often we think of keeping our commitments as something that we do for other people, uh, something that we do for the people that we made the commitment to. And and certainly our word does benefit other people. And I'm going to talk about that before we're finished today. But keeping our word, keeping our commitments benefits us. It benefits the person who keeps their word. And I'm sure we could think of more today, but here are some of the benefits that I wanted to share with you that come from being people who keep our commitments. Here's the first one. This one did not make it on your outline. When we keep our commitments, we accomplish more with our lives. You've probably noticed this. People who are casual about keeping their commitments usually do not live very productive lives. Company hires you. They tell you they'll see you at 8 o'clock Monday morning, and they actually don't see you until 8.45 Monday morning. Not going to be a very productive day for you. They're, they're going to they're tell you you can go on back home. We, we, we don't need someone who cannot keep their commitment. Anytime it's difficult to keep a commitment and someone just chooses not to, that is a recipe for living a life that is full of regret. It really is. Keeping our word causes us to do things when they're inconvenient. Keeping our word causes us to help the person we said we would help, even though in that moment we would rather sit on the couch and watch reruns on Netflix. Which I'm sure has never happened. Actually, I'm quite positive it has. And I might have been the offender, I don't know. (laughs) You know, at the end of life, if we have been people who kept our commitments even when it was inconvenient, it's going to go a long way to letting us look back over our lives with a sense of peace and satisfaction. But being people who every time it's inconvenient to keep our commitments, we just bail out of the commitment. When you get to the end of the life and that's the story that's behind you, uh, it's going to be something that causes a great deal of regret. So being people who keep our commitments allows us to live more productive lives. Now back to the outline. A benefit of keeping our word is that when we do, we honor God and we please God. We've seen in scripture today that God cares very much about us keeping our word. And when we do, our lives bear witness to the difference that God has made in our lives. And when our lives bear witness to God in this way, God is glorified in us and God is well pleased with us. Next, when we keep our word, others come to trust us and others come to admire us. I want to be worthy of being trusted. Don't you? I do. And you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be admired. That's not like some sign of arrogance or something like that. It is okay. It is good. It is preferable to be a person who wants to live an admirable life. And when we don't keep our word, when we make commitments and treat them casually, when it really just doesn't bother us one way or the other, whether we fulfill our commitments, others cannot trust us. They will not trust us. 
They cannot admire us when we live like that, and we damage our Christian witness. But something as simple as keeping our word, doing what we say we'll do, when we say we will do it, this will result in people trusting us, people admiring us, looking up to us, which leads to the next benefit. When we keep our commitments, we provide others with a godly example that is worthy of emulation. You know, the world is starving today for godly role models. The church is starving, and I don't just mean this church, I I mean the church is starving for godly role models. People who, when they say, I will be there to help you move, they actually show up to help you move. People who promise fidelity to their spouse and then keep their promise. People who say that gossiping is wrong and then they actually choose not to gossip. They they refuse to gossip. Listen, just be a person who keeps your word. That's going to go a long way to being trusted and admired. You'll be a godly example that others want to emulate. You might not even know it, but they will aspire to emulate you if they see you keeping your word. You'll be an inspiration just by doing that. And so... You benefit others and you have your own life benefited when you live a life worthy of emulation. Here's another benefit. When you keep your word, you have the satisfaction and peace that comes with living a congruent life. One of the greatest threats to experiencing peace in life is when we live inconsistent lives. When we look one way to everybody around us, but we know deep down inside that that's not really who we are. When we don't keep our word, we expose ourselves as posers. We make commitments because we want to look like the kind of people who make those commitments. But we fail to keep the commitment because we're not really that kind of person. But we can be that kind of person. We just have to choose to be. We have to choose to put on the new self. We do it. We choose it. And when we do... When the person that we present to the world is the person that we really are, when our lives are congruent, we have peace, and peace is a wonderful thing. It's a benefit that eludes many people, and it eludes many people for this very reason. What they're showing the world isn't who they really are. I want to live in a way that allows me to have peace. Don't you? And finally, when we keep our commitments, we're going to hear well done, good, and faithful servant. There's a verse in the Bible that's sort of inconvenient. People don't like it. I think many of us in the church are sort of uncomfortable with it. It doesn't get preached about a whole lot. It's 1 Corinthians 3.12, and here's what it seems to tell us. It seems to tell us that there are going to be those who are going to be saved, so like... They'll get into heaven, but the works of their life are not going to withstand the judgment of God. So the fire of God's judgment is going to be brought. Their works are going to be put to the test of the fire of God's judgment, and their works are going to be found to be things that weren't very valuable, wood, hay, stubble. And what 1 Corinthians 3.12 tells us is that these people's works will be consumed. They will be saved, quote, as one escaping through the flames. It's in there. Promise. Look it up. 
It makes us uncomfortable. Makes us uncomfortable. Kind of like, yeah, you got in, but not a whole lot to show for your life. He goes on to tell us that those whose lives are examined and their works are revealed to be good works, they're actually going to receive a reward. Now let me ask you, would you rather be a person who gets in as one escaping through the flames, or would you rather be one who receives a reward? Now none of us are going to be there on our merit, but I'd kind of like a reward. If there's a reward to be had, I'd like to have one. (laughs) Wouldn't you? I mean, that stands to reason. I want to be a person who receives a reward. Now, I'm not suggesting this is theologically accurate, what I'm about to say now, what I just did is. But, but, you know, I don't want to be the person who, like, as I'm walking down the streets in heaven, everybody's kind of, like, looking away in embarrassment, like, how did he get in here? Oh, my, oh my goodness. That guy did nothing for the Lord. All right, I'm not sure that's theologically accurate, but I thought it was funny. (laughs) I want to have something to show for my life. I want God to be able to say, well done. Not perfectly done. He's not going to be able to say perfectly done to any of us. But I do want to be able to hear him say, well done. We saw in Ephesians 4 how important truth-telling is. How important being people who keep our commitments is. We saw that's important. Being people who keep our word is going to go a long way to helping us be those people who hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so we've seen today that keeping our word is important to God. I've shared a few benefits of keeping our commitments And now I want us to spend a few minutes asking some questions of ourselves. Are we people who keep our word? Are you keeping your commitments? Are you keeping your word? Let's not let us off the hook with the the corporate we. Let's make it personal. Are you keeping your word? Are you keeping your commitments? And so I want to invite you to consider four areas of your life. And honestly examine whether or not you're keeping your commitments in each of these four areas. Here's the first one. Are you keeping your commitments to God? Are you remaining faithful to him? Are you honoring him in every area of your life? Or are you treating him like those who were making the oaths in Matthew 5 were? Only inviting him in, only including him in the the places of your life where you directly invoke his name. Assuming that he has no bearing on your life if you don't directly invoke his name in that area of your life. You've received him as Savior. Are you also honoring him as Lord? Is he truly on the throne of your life or have you dethroned him and placed him, uh, placed yourself on the throne of your life? Are you keeping your commitments to God. Secondly, those of you who are married, are you keeping your commitments to your spouse? And for all of us, are we keeping our commitments to our families? Those of you who are married, you said you'd love your spouse for better or worse. Are you keeping that commitment? You said you'd love your spouse, whether it meant you were richer or you were poorer. Are you keeping that commitment? 
Those of you who are parents, you said that you'd raise your kids in an environment that would make Christianity attractive to them. Are you keeping that commitment? Parents, you have a responsibility, a God-given, Bible-given responsibility to discipline your children because a child that lacks discipline is set up for a lot of trouble in life. Are you keeping that commitment? Are we keeping our commitments to our spouse and to our family? Third, are you keeping your commitments to your employer, your customers, and everyone that's outside the community of faith? If you have a job where you have to be there at a certain time, are you showing up at that certain time? Or are you the person that's chronically running late, chronically sneaking in the back door to try to fool everybody into thinking you were there when you were supposed to? Do you speak well of your boss to other employees, even if he or she is a challenging personality? If you tell a customer you'll call them at a certain time, do you do that? If you give a customer a quote on what something will cost, do you honor the quote? When you tell your, uh, your kid's teacher at their school that you'll come in and help in the classroom on a given day, do you actually show up? Do you keep your word to everyone you give your word? Are you keeping your commitments uh, to those that you interact with outside the community of faith? And finally, are you keeping your commitments to your fellow believers, to your church family? Now, I understand that a sermon on keeping your commitments, where the pastor brings it around to keeping your commitments to the church, runs the risk of looking like a setup. I understand this. And your, uh, your tepid response lets me know that you have noted it. Uh, I promise you today that my motivation in sharing all of this is what's best for you. I promise you that I want you to experience the benefits of keeping your commitments. I promise that I am motivated by your good. I am motivated and sharing the importance of keeping commitments because I really do believe it has the power to improve your life and I want your life to improve. But just as I want the highest good for you, I also want the highest good for all of us together. And that's why I ask, are you keeping your commitments to your fellow believers? You see, here's something that I think is too easy for us to do. When we're asked a question like, are you keeping your commitments to the church? Too often people hear that as, are you keeping your commitments to the pastor? Are you keeping your commitments to the church staff? Are you keeping your commitments to the elders? Are you keeping your commitments to the church as an institution? But that's a misunderstanding of what the church actually is. What the church actually is, is the people in a local congregation. That is the church. And so the real question that I'm asking you today is, are you keeping your commitment to your fellow believers? Because here's the truth. Any local congregation becomes more fruitful, more effective, accomplishes more for God when everyone keeps their commitments to each other rather than just a few people keeping their commitments. When a person becomes a member here, and uh, here in uh, 
it'll be several weeks because we're doing it differently now, but we're going to be recognizing some uh, new members here in several weeks, and, and uh, we, we are welcoming a pretty large new member class uh, this time, which we're very excited about, and so a lot of these people just became very familiar, our new members became very familiar with the seven commitments of, of members here. But all of you who are members, you made seven specific commitments. And those commitments are not just made to me. They're not just made to Ben or to our elders. They, they are made to us, but not just us. And they're only made to us in the context of we're part of the church. They are commitments that we make to each other and to God. And so it's both for your own good and for the good of all of us together that I ask, are you keeping your commitments to your fellow believers, to your church family? Do you believe the things that you affirm you believe when you became a member? Are you living consistent with those things? Do you continue to affirm and live your life based on that statement of faith that you said yes to? Are you following and honoring the leadership that God has placed in this church? From ministry leaders to elders to staff members? And yes, even including me. Are you following and honoring the leadership in this place? Speaking well of leaders, refusing gossip, being a person committed to unity, being a person that respects that even though we're all equal before God, that, does, that God does place leaders in our lives for a reason and, and leaders deserve to, to be respected. Have you been baptized? And are you committed to staying in touch with Jesus and growing in your faith? Are you doing that? You said you would. Those are the first three commitments of members. I don't know how many that sounded like, but I promise that was three. <laughs> Those are the first three commitments of members. Let's go on. Are you serving? Or are you content to let others fulfill that commitment while you let yourself off the hook for serving? Are you faithful to Sunday worship services and involved in a small group? Or is that a commitment that you made and decided that could be a by heaven, by earth, by Jerusalem, by my own head commitment that didn't actually have to be kept? Do you support the church financially, regularly and substantially, which is the commitment that all members make? Everyone that's a member made that commitment. And I don't say this to be unkind, it's just a matter of fact. 25 to 30% of members do not keep that commitment. Do you? Or are you one of the people that are comfortable placing the responsibility of financing all the ministry that goes on here on other people? Even though you made the commitment to share the responsibility. These are all commitments that everybody's made. Those are the next three, no matter how many they sounded like. And here's the final one. Are you committed to biblical morality and accountability? You made the commitment to live consistent with biblical morality. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? And are you accountable? So that if you're not doing that or 
a friend of yours kind of knows you're not doing that, are you willing to be accountable? Have someone call you on it. Have someone challenge you. With God, with your spouse and family, with your employer, customers, and all those outside the community of faith, and with your fellow believers, are you keeping your commitments? God cares very much that we keep our commitments. God wants our yes to be yes and our no to be no. If you are keeping your commitments, and I know that there are many of you here today who do keep your commitments, God bless you. If you are, God is pleased. If you are, I trust that you're experiencing the benefits that come with being a person who keeps your word. And again, many of you here today do that. If you are not keeping your commitments in some area of your life, please listen to what I'm about to say. I I know that this sounds challenging, um, but, but please hear what I'm saying now. I am not here to scold you. I am not here to shame you. I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to beat yourself up. I just want to challenge you to do better. That's all I want to do today. Challenge you to purpose in your heart that if you're not being a person of your word, you're not being a person who keeps your commitments, that you're going to choose to start putting off the old man. You're going to choose to start putting on the new man. It is within your power to do that with God's help. You can live a life where your yes really does mean yes. And so I don't want you to have any guilt. I don't want you to have any shame. There's no condemnation here. Just a recognition of a problem that needs addressed and just an appeal that you would consider changing. Change for your own good. Change because you recognize how good it is to live a life that pleases God. Change because you want others to be able to trust you and admire you and emulate you to the glory of God. Change so that you can experience the satisfaction and peace that comes from living a congruent life. Change so you can accomplish more with your life. You can be more productive in your life. And change so that you will hear, well done, good, and faithful servant. Change for your own good. But yes, do change for the sake of others as well. For the good of your spouse and family. For the good of your employer, customers, and all of those outside the community of faith who are watching your life. And yes, change for the good of your fellow believers. The good of your church. Change so that each of us individually and all of us together can improve, increase our fruitfulness, and glorify God with our lives. And so for your sake and for the sake of those around you, keep your word, keep your commitments, and as you do, God will be glorified in your life. Why don't you stand?